I'm Chuck Smeaton from the Royal Institution of Australia, and this is the Cosmos Briefing Podcast. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening from today. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past and present. Today we talk with Adam Smith, Adjunct Associate Professor at James Cook University and Managing Director of Reef Ecologic, and Nathan Cook, a marine scientist at Reef Ecologic. In March this year, they discovered the widest coral on the Great Barrier Reef. Happily, given the challenges the reef is facing, it is in good health. Monitoring these corals can have multiple scientific and climate-related benefits. Today's interview is hosted by Cosmos journalist Lauren Fuge. with Adam Smith and Nathan Cook who were just involved in a discovery of a very large coral on the Great Barrier Reef. Can you guys tell me a bit about this coral? How big is it and where did you find it? So we were snorkeling at Gulbudi which is also known as Sporfius Island. It's fairly close to our backyard. It's about 40 nautical miles northeast. Um, We were undertaking citizen science surveys with quite a large group and we were supported at the James Cook Uni Research Station. And out of the corner of our eye, we saw a large coal. Um, we swam over to it and realised it wasn't just large, it was enormous. And we had some transect tapes with us, so we started measuring its length and its width and its circumference. So exactly how big was it in the end? It was 10 metres, 10.4 metres by 10 metres in diameter and it was 5.3 metres tall and it was estimated at somewhere around 400 years old. Wow. So is that pretty, is that record-breaking in terms of sizes of corals on the reef? Um, It's right up there. The organisation that's done most of the research on large varieties corals is the Australian Institute of Marine Science. They've sampled over 350 large corals, largely for ageing purposes over the last 20 years. This was, according to their published records, the sixth highest coral on the Great Barrier Reef and the widest of any coral on the Great Barrier Reef. Cool, nice. And you said it's over 400 years old. How How can you tell how old a coral is? One of the ways that they measured corals, it's a bit like tree rings on a tree, and they have growth bands that show you the different um, years that they pass through. So corals have a similar makeup. Each year they put down a layer of calcium carbonate that changes in thickness based on climatic conditions. And so you, one of the things the Australian Institute of Marine Science has done in the past, as cord taken coral cores, a bit like ice cores from the Antarctic, and you can tell the history of the corals through these growth bands. And so that's why we can't, without coring this particular colony, we can't definitively say it's X number of years, but we can estimate by its size that it's around about 400 years old. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's really cool as well that it was discovered through a citizen science project. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Are they regular surveys and, and what kind of people get involved in that? Yeah, we undertake citizen science just about every time we go to the reef. We use a range of different tools to count and assess corals and invertebrates and fish. 
and there are a lot of them out there. Um, we use reef health impact surveys. We use the eye on the reef app. Um, just lately, we've been using iNaturalist. Um, we use Coral Watch. And one of the things we do with our training courses is we give the participants, and they are very wide-ranging, from students at school to Indigenous trainees to professionals. You know, we've had dentists come along who want to learn more about marine science. Um, so... That's what we do, and that's where you get those really rich experiences, getting people in the water, looking at amazing things and understanding them more, not only the species, but its health, and then also providing that information that can be used for management agencies. Mm. So do those people come in with any knowledge of the reef species, or do you kind of teach them in that? We have recently pivoted. I guess that's a very topical word these days, a little bit, because initially we started out trying to get people with a marine science or marine ecological background, but realised that the real power in citizen science is getting people who are interested, passionate and really keen to learn. And so we take anybody who fits that criteria and just wants to be out in the ocean learning like a sponge, collecting knowledge and being able to contribute in some way to support the health of the reef. And through these different opportunities, that's what they get. And so as Adam mentioned, we provide them with different tools and techniques and people can then self-select what suits them best going forward. And when we made this discovery, it was great that we had three students from the local grammar school and one of the students was also supported by his father. So it was a real family affair. Um, we were also very fortunate to have a, an excellent underwater photographer and videographer with us. So not only capturing the science, but being able to communicate it through great photos and video is also critically important. Yeah. Do you think it's really important to have um, the public involved in these citizen science surveys of the reef? Yeah, it's the challenges facing our natural environments all over the world are, you know, there's a lot of contributions by humans through the changing of the climate. And I feel like that if we don't involve people, they're going to struggle to understand what the problems are and, more importantly, what the solutions might be. So we take people out into the ocean, get them involved in marine science, but also talk about the threats and pressures that these ecosystems are facing, you know, whether they be coastal development or water quality or the greatest threat to coral reefs, which is climate change, and not only provide them with opportunities to participate in citizen science, but also education and tips and suggestions for ways that they can mitigate those larger threats going to the future, changing behaviour at home, you know, investing in solar energy and trying to share that knowledge with friends and, you know, um, colleagues through these communication tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you find large or significant corals like these, um, will that help us in studying the impacts to the reef and the health of the reef? Uh, absolutely it will both ecologically and also socially. Um, depends on how you look at it. You know, it is just one coral and it's a local coral, but 
once you share a story of hope that it's a healthy coral, that people are monitoring it, that it was discovered by citizen scientists, it gets people to care more and perhaps think about their role in their local environment in the reef and perhaps will encourage them to go out snorkeling either to visit this particular one or their local reef. So it has many benefits um, environmentally and for tourism and also for the local traditional owners. You know, one of the really big things with this project is we consulted traditional owners and asked them if they would like to name it. And many of them have lost some of their culture and they're rediscovering it. So to be able to name it Muga Dambi, Big Coral in Mumbra language, was very powerful and hopefully will spark a lot more of that in this region. And so when you find like significant corals like these, is there any kind of database you can add them to so people know where they are? Does anything exist like that? Uh, at the moment, no, but we have a dream that we would like to develop a, a database of significant corals the same way there are similar databases for trees. Um, the trees is actually run by the Australian Heritage Council, but we would like to think that a citizen science group or a small grant would allow us to start that. And already we've been, I won't say inundated, but quite a few divers and fishers and people from government have said, oh, what about that big coral down in so-and-so? How's it compared? So it has been a catalyst. People are interested. And I think to be able to not only look at the corals but monitor them over time um, will be pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be amazing. Well, I wish you best of luck in putting together that database. And thank you so much, Adam and Nathan, for having a chat to me today. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been our pleasure. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember that you can head to cosmosmagazine.com via the link in the description for more great content. You can also subscribe to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's only science print magazine, and Cosmos Weekly, our online subscription-based deep dive into the biggest issues. You can watch and listen to all our Cosmos briefings via the link that you'll also find in the description. And remember, if you support science and its communication, please support our work at the Royal Institution of Australia. I'm Chuck Smeaton. Today's interview was hosted by Lauren Fuge and our executive producer is Catherine Roberts. Thank you. Thank you.